Welcome to Someday is Here, a podcast for Asian American women on leadership and culture. I'm your host, Vivian Mabuni. This podcast has been created to carve out a space for Asian American women to explore and validate living in both Eastern and Western worlds. Each week, we will celebrate our heritage and highlight Asian American history. My guests and I will explore our various Asian American journeys, both the parts that we are proud of and the parts that have brought pain. We'll discuss practical tips on leadership and our favorite comfort foods, of course. This is a place and a space to bring words and understanding to our shared experience living biculturally. I am so glad you're listening and look forward to your feedback. Enjoy the show. everybody, this is Vivian Mabuni, your podcast host for Someday Is Here. And I am so excited about today's episode because it is a live recording of Someday Is Here live event that just took place on February 22nd here in Southern California. I have to say the event, the live event, I think there are, I don't know, 170 women that came from all over. It just different ages and life stages, different Asian representation. We had transracial adoptees. We had mixed race Asians. We had a South Asian Indian, um, only one. So we really do need to change this part of our Some Days Here experience. But I think every single woman left holding their head a little bit higher about being an Asian American woman. I think our experiences were validated, words were given to the challenges as well as the joy of being an Asian American. Um, Our fantastic uh, hosts, uh, Susie Gomez and Michelle Kim McCoy were wonderful. And Susie started off with congratulations for being an Asian American woman. So that was definitely the feel There was really a celebratory uh, feel and flavor. And honestly, the event exceeded all my hopes and expectations. It was really, really outstanding. And again, um, the team that rallied to make it happen, uh, Jamie Lamb, Kenny Wong, uh, Chantel Runnels, they were just uh, some of the brains behind all of the different pieces coming together. Um, Just was incredible from beginning to end. So we just are looking forward to next year already. So March 6th, 2021 will be the second Someday is Here live event. So we have the date. We'll be getting more information out to you all. Um, But for now, I just want to introduce to you the live event podcast interview of season one. And I have to say, having people in person is so much more fun than talking to them over Zoom um, or, you know, Skype or something like that. So it was just a blast. And I, I hope you can sense the energy and the excitement of the attendees and the presenters. Um, really, I feel like we came away with a wonderful sisterhood. So enjoy this very, very special episode of the live event. All right.
right, welcome to Season 2 Someday is here. We are live today at the live event here in Santa Ana, California, Southern California, and we are here with a room full of the most amazing women. Okay, so great. I, the one downside of a podcast is that you can't see. Um, so if you could just see this room full of amazing, you would just be blown away. But hopefully you're listening and you're enjoying this season so far. But this is extra special because I have on my, to the right of me season one guests from the very first season of Someday is Here. So I'll have each of them kind of introduced as they answer these questions. But we're going to have a conversation. So we're having an, an, um, a very simple gather in the living room, kind of post-lunch. Thank you, Flame Broiler. They, they sponsored our lunch. Let's give them a yay. Exceptional. We have. So we are going to have our little conversation. So season one. OK. I feel like Oprah a little bit. <laughs> OK. Yes. All right. So I'm just going to start with you, Dorcas. OK? And you can introduce yourself. But what are some of your highlights or your takeaways from today? Thank you, Vivian. So my name is Dorcas Chang-Tozen. I'm a writer, an editor, a communications consultant. And I wish that those of you listening to the podcast, even those of you here in this room, could be where I am right now. Because it is so incredible to look out in this room and see so many of you who look like me. It's, it, it is so special to just sense the heart that is in this room, the strength that you all bring, and, and the strength in the unity of being here together for this common purpose of cheering one another on. It's, mm. it's just tremendous. And um, I think one other thing that has really been speaking to me today, I think a theme that has come up over and over again, is this sense that Redemption is possible for everything, mm. in that all of our deepest pain and hurt, all those moments when we as Asian American women have not been seen, have not been heard, have not been respected, those are things that can be taken and transformed into a force for good in this world. Our pain, our hurt can be a source of healing for others. It can be a source of wisdom and guidance and encouragement for others. And um, I think that we in particular, I know I've really experienced sort of being in between a lot of spaces uh, here in the US, living in China, living in Kenya as well. Uh, a lot of times people look at me and they don't quite know what to make of me. And yet there is a strength in that. There's an advantage to that. And because I feel like over time, I am developing the eyes to see when somebody else is marginalized, when somebody else is feeling in between, when somebody else is feeling unseen and unheard. And our ability to see those people and to reach out to them and to connect to them is something really, really special. And I think we all know that sometimes it just takes that one person to come alongside us and encourage us, and that can make all the difference in the world. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Did anyone else want to jump in on that? Like, what it's been like? Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, it brings to mind, you know, that 
C.S. Lewis quote, you know, friendship is born at the moment when you say, you too? Mm. And I think that's how we've been feeling today, um, realizing when you hear somebody else's story, you go, oh, I'm not the only one? And that's how friendship is born. And so I think what is beautiful about this is that we're not gathering together so that we can just cultivate more strategies to change the world together, even though that's going to be great when we do. And I'm excited about that. But it's friendship that we're cultivating. It's realizing that I see you, you see me. Mm. We're not the only ones. That's beautiful. This was Ruth Jo Simons. Um, Do you want to just introduce yourself a little bit on the tail end here? Yeah, Ruth Jo Simons. (laughs) I'm an author, artist, founder of Grace Laced. Yes. And she was my first guest. And we both... So just a little backstory. I was in my closet and she was on her bed, and we were Zoom and the microphone, and I have all my clothes around, and, and she cried, and I cried when she cried. It was a really guys, beautiful moment. I mean, you don't want to be snotty on a podcast and sniffle, and, but, you know, it was just um, so good, because I think sometimes you just need a friend to ask those kinds of questions that, like, unearth things that really need to be mined mm-hmm. in your own heart, and that podcast episode was really good for my heart, and hopefully for the listener, too. Yeah. Got a lot of great feedback on that. Well, speaking of podcasts, is there anything that you wish you would have added? Or I'm going to look at you, Michelle. Go, go, Michelle, and introduce to. who you are. Yeah, absolutely. Guess. So I'm Michelle Kim McCoy. I was episode dose, um, and you know, my uh, I'm an actress, photographer, a new mom, and a pastor's wife. And you know, uh, when I did my episode. Um, I was so nervous, but also so excited. And um, my experience was filled with, it, it, even though you know we don't want to leave feeling shame, I still felt I felt like both freedom and shame, freedom of the ability to speak of my experience, but also shame of like, oh my gosh, did I do a good job? Because that may have been my one opportunity to have ever shared my experience, and maybe I. I sucked, you know, and like, I'll never have this opportunity because when will, when will I ever as an Asian American woman be able to talk on this topic? And like, you know, and I was so anxious, um, afterwards and just looking back at, it was such a layered, um, layered time, layered conversation. Cause I remember myself thinking, oh wow, this is the first time I'm verbally processing this one. Two, is this a safe place for me to actually be candid? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yes, it is. Oh, wait, why is that so hard for me? Oh, this is a safe place, but I don't have the language. Mm-hmm. And it was so layered. And um, I left that conversation feeling like it was, it was very confusing because I was both excited and, um, and nervous. And, you know, one of the things that I wish if I were to go back and I had listened to it and, you know, I was pregnant at the time and just so much life has happened just in between recording that and it coming out and today. And, um, one little story that I think I shared at the tail end of my podcast episode was how, um, my parents, for example, um, since interracial marriage is part of my story, and they there was like a an example of like a fried chicken thing, and that's like their my parents' way of extending love to my half black husband, you know, and and I had projected I had projected that I was like oh my parents bring fried chicken over because my husband's half black, you know, and and then later on after that episode had aired, they brought fried chicken again, and I was like you know. 
why do you bring fried chicken? Because I just wanted to know. And they're like, because we love fried chicken. <laughs> and we want to share, like, and we love it, so you must too. And I was like, oh my gosh, I had literally for seven years of being married to my husband, every time you brought fried chicken over, I thought it was because you were extending, like, your cultural way, you know, like, an extending... It was an olive branch. Yeah, it was an olive branch of, of, yeah, like a chicken thigh. Yes, it was I'm like, wow. And so, like, I, I, would, I listened back to that, and I'm like, man, like, how many times do I project my own racism on others and, um, and when it's not even the case? And so um, that was really humbling for me. And there's even so many other examples that I had shared. And, um, and now I'm like, wow, that was just a chip on my shoulder uh, projecting and um, perpetuating racism in my own life and so mm. I wish I I'm, I'm actually very thankful to be able to like speak kind of reconcile yeah. that this is true as an author so I know that speaking within an hour people remember maybe 10% and then next week nothing <laughs> so in writing and in podcasting, you know, the idea that people can actually fact check and go back and replay, it, you know, wanting the do-overs, I think, is one of the things that is a little bit mm-hmm. nerve-wracking about something as permanent as a podcast because you have these seasons. So I'm so thankful. Okay, go ahead, Diane. Sure. you notice that the majority of us have notes up here? Yes. None of us want to fail. <laughs> it's so true. It's true. It's true. That's the Asian, you know, we, we carry the weight of it all. We represent all Asians of all time. We cannot fail. We cannot bring shame fail upon our family. No, yes. We fail in front of a studio audience listening to recorded podcast. Okay, so if you could go back and change anything or add anything to our conversation, which, by the way, just backstory, Diane and I... We get on, and I laugh so hard, but we get on, and Diane's like, okay, I'm so excited. Wait, my closet door is open. And I'm like, well, it's a podcast. No one can see your open closet door. She goes, no, 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 I know, so I need to go close it. So that was how our podcast started. It was fantastic. So Diane, tell us, is there anything that you would change besides closing your closet door earlier? I don't know. Well, one thing that I, I'm going to spend the rest of this time pinging other people, and we talked about it. Um, in our gathering last night as we prepared for today is recognizing and stepping into your Asian American superpower. And I just came from Margaret's workshop and we are recognizing the difference between Western American culture and Asian culture. Now sometimes those can be at odds, but you know what, sometimes beautifully they can be so complementary because we get to choose. We can toggle back and forth, so we have an option. So I just wanted to give a shout-out to Korean culture, but I feel that the superpower of Korean culture is, um, it's nunchi. How many Korean sisters do I have here? (laughs) Nunchi, right? Yeah. Nunchi is this, I don't know, Helen, chime in if you guys want to, you know, it's just like a social skill, just like, I'll give you an example. If you walk into an elevator, and everyone is facing one certain direction. There's no spoken rule anywhere. You didn't go to school, but you just pick up the cue. There is one direction to face in this elevator, right? When your m- new mother-in-law tells you, oh, no, you don't have to do dishes, you know you need to do dishes. True story. And so it's reading a room, it's reading a social context, and being able to figure out what do I need to do to add value into this situation, and also so that I don't look like a loser. So mm. that's the Asian-American superpower. So I want, 
I would love to hear, and I would love to, for everyone to just recognize there are Asian American superpowers that we can talk. Sometimes it's code switching, but sometimes it's toggling from the best of both worlds. So mm. I would love to know what each of y'all think of your Asian American superpower as well. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, this is Helen Lee, and I'll follow up on that comment about Nunchi, which I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing right, but I know exactly what you're talking about. I think it's one of those things that especially as we are moving in white spaces, mm -hmm. it's incredibly helpful to have that skill. Yes. And you can use it um, in, in a way, in a room, to be able to bring peace. If you notice there's, for example, there's conflict brewing, you can tell that some, someone is going to get mad at somebody else, you can kind of interject yourself into that, into that situation and help yes. moderate what's happening in the room, because you can see those dynamics. And there's so much about inference in Asian culture, yes. right? We don't explicitly say things sometimes, mm -hmm. right? But it's so important to actually be able to acknowledge and read what's happening. I heard someone, some, someone say about Asian culture that conflict is bad. We don't always believe this per se, but conflict is bad because it means you have not read the other person's um, intentions, you haven't read the other person's desires or needs or wants well, and that's why conflict happens. Of course, the, the Western way of thinking is different. Conflict is just natural and normal. But there is something about the Asian way of thinking about conflict that puts more onus on us as individuals to take more responsibility of what is happening in other people. And I think that's a value that we bring, a gift we bring conversations and situations. Yes, that's beautiful. Um, so a question that I didn't prepare any of you for, but I'm curious. <laughs> what has today been like for you? Like, what, what has it been like? How, how would you describe it? Um, what, yeah, what has your experience been? Go, Diane. Okay, I raised my hand because yes, I'm a good did. Asian yes, American. Yes, you are. Very good student, yes. They have Stanford, Berkeley, Berkeley. It's just crazy. I'm check, so check, check off yeah. the box. Yeah, so go, go. Um, the one thing is to share what I've gleaned from my fellow podcasters in episode one. And the first two guests were Helen and Ruth, I believe. Mm -hmm. oh, is actually Michelle and Oh, okay. Ruth. Well, I listened to them out of order. Sorry. I'm not a rule, not, not that much of a rule follower. Um, <laughs> I'm toggling. So um, I remember hearing... We're different ethnicities and backgrounds, but there was this through line, this universal sense of otherness. Mm. We all shared about growing up and code switching and feeling, you know, Michelle talked about not bringing Indian food and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a shared sense of otherness. And what I appreciated about today, and I shared this with you back in the green room, we were only two hours into this event. And I said, I love that we have permission to be ourselves. Mm. We have permission to be the unique creations that God has wired us to be. There's not a single doctor, lawyer, or engineer, right? I mean, God bless you all. I'm sure there's doctor, lawyer, engineers in the house, and I have nothing against you. But we have artists, we have editors, we have musicians, actors, yes. we have actors, we have entrepreneurs. Those are not typically options that were made available to yeah. us. So I love that when we step into who we are, we can be fully who we were meant to be and be a blessing to other people and that we can even partake of this because of that. That's so great. I love that we have been given permission mm. to be ourselves. And this is Ruth. Um, to piggyback on that, I think I grew up feeling like vulnerability was a weakness. Mm. I felt like crying or being tender or being really, really available was not the strongest way to lead. And as I've grown into my adult life, I have found that 
You know, we all want authenticity, but the most authentic you can be is to truly just be empathetic towards somebody else. And so today has been really a, um, just a beautiful reminder to me that I don't have to be somebody else. I'm tenderhearted. I really like to be known and I like to know somebody else's story. Um, it never gets old to meet each one of you. So thank you for those of you who stepped in line and hugged necks and let me sign your books. And, but I think what was so special about that was I grew up feeling maybe like the best I could offer was some letters behind my name or some major contribution to the cure for something when really today was an acknowledgement that my best offering is my voice and my heart and mm -hmm. just being available with who I am. And, and that means that maybe I'm a really tender-hearted Asian-American woman mm. who, um, yeah, like, needs to be able to share that. So I felt really validated today being in this space. Mm. So. That's great. And I just have a quick um, thing. I love not being able to, n not having to explain myself mm. or explain uh, things that I do. Like, I have to catch myself because I would, like, almost do that and be like, no, they get it. I don't have to explain myself. And so that's been incredibly liberating today. Yeah. In one of the seminars that we had earlier today, um, Jenny Lee Williams mentioned how Asian Americans tend to not get promoted. Mm -hmm. And I think there is a dearth of people seeing Asian Americans as leaders. And, and so to see woman after woman after woman today taking the stage, owning the stage, speaking her story, um, telling her truth, it's incredibly empowering and liberating and encouraging. And I hope that that's a picture that we can all carry with us when we go back to our homes and our workplaces and campuses and wherever we are, that we don't have to be relegated to be the quiet one or the one who doesn't get noticed, but, but we are leaders. And when we step into that, amazing things can happen. That's right. It's so good. This is Helen, and I've had the chance to meet a number of you who are, I would call, the next generation. You are college students. You are recent college grads. You're doing amazing things, and you have amazing plans for your future that I never even would have dreamt of. You're getting a chance to hear from so many women here who are doing such diverse things, and I think that hopefully you're going to be moving into your further adult life with a vision for what Asian American female leadership can look like that's very different from what I grew up with, which was essentially nothing. <laughs> there weren't really very many role models, and that gives me a lot of hope yeah. for the future and for the future of the church and the future of our nation. I'm just really excited to see what's ahead for, for you all as you take steps into the future. That's excellent. Well, that actually dovetails into this question that I would love for each of you to answer. Um, why is Some Days Here important? Besides, it's a great name, right? But I don't know, you know. But an event like this, why is this event relevant and important? Which you kind of answered, but anyone else want to throw in some thoughts? I think we tend to use the word someday in conjunction with needing someone else to give us permission or invitation or throw the door wide open. And I love that this represents us saying, we're making our own way, and we're gonna open the door ourselves. And we're not gonna wait for 
someday when somebody acknowledges, somebody sets it up for us, somebody waiting else to get does picked. the job. Waiting to get picked. No, we're going to do the job yeah. ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. I spend a lot of time in white spaces and places and I think when I come into an experience like this where I'm surrounded by sisters who are like me, I realize how much tension I've been holding in myself to survive being in those white places and spaces. I look around this room and if you could see this room, you would see just an amazing, diverse and yet unified body of Asian American women. There's part of me that thinks, is this what white people feel like all the time? <laughs> when they're surrounded by people who look like them? That's so refreshing. <laughs> this is so refreshing. Mm. And I think that we need these kinds of places and spaces to experience, to give us strength to go back into places that are, are still yet not understanding um, the true narrative of what it means to be human, what it means to be people, what it means to be fellow citizens. So this has been an incredibly refreshing, liberating experience. Awesome. Well, I'm thinking a couple things. When I first watched Crazy Rich Asians, it was that same sense of an exhale because, you know, the lead, the lead actors are normal, no one's doing kung fu, and there's, you know, the Asian guy is not the villain, and he dies in the first scene. I mean, there's so many great things about being represented and feeling like they're in the same way with them, always be my maybe. You know, just, just the, the first scene when they're kids, and she takes her shoes off and goes in and heats stuff up and uses her chopsticks, and it's like, there's no needing, there was no need to explain it. It's just like, that's just what you do. And it normalized and centered a story that I had not yet seen very often. So I think a lot of times Asian Americans get invited to speak on racial reconciliation, and we're kind of the voice that needs to represent all people of color and all the you know, history and all of that, when we bring so much more than just that piece. And so I think that there's something about being able to, to see that. Yeah, and I, I also love the dichotomy of someday and here, because we are here and someday is here, but there also is st so much work to be done. And so that is still in someday, um, because someday we will see a day when um, we aren't just the token Asian, um, or they're, you know, we're starting to see a shift in media and entertainment um, with Asian American actors. And I was just telling a story how like, I was literally about to audition for uh, a huge movie where the, the lead is a Korean, American woman, like the lead of a, and it's going to be a big movie, and I, I pass for whatever reason, but um, uh, just knowing that that's to come, right, is like really exciting, but um, I can, and I can pass on that opportunity because I, that's not my one chance. You know, and that's what I was grieving because that wasn't, it just wasn't mine to go out for. But um, being able to let that go was incredibly freeing um, because I know someday there will be a part where I have many options of Korean American leads or, you know, of roles, great, rich, normal, um, multidimensional roles. And so to be able to pass on that. Um, was exciting. I had to grieve some, but um, so we are here, but there is also a someday to work towards. Mm, that's really good. That's really good. Well, go. Yes. Well, 
I was thinking about that word scarcity that we were talking about even last night in relation to dessert, actually. But um, <laughs> we love to eat together. That's goes but, without saying. You know, I think what you're talking about, Michelle, is that we we find ourselves generously sharing and celebrating one another when there's not the scarcity mentality. Mm. And one thing that I noticed this weekend today together that I was so encouraged by was I didn't feel competition in Mm -hmm. comparison. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel this constant sense of like, how do I measure up next to my Asian American sister next to me? Mm -hmm. I felt like we were celebrating even our differences within being alike. And just was so refreshing to me. And I think that the more we realize that there are so many opportunities for each of us to shine, um, it just takes that. I, I think I've spent so much time, like Helen said, holding it together, going, I am that one person in this room, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure how to step in. And strangely enough, in some of those spaces, I find myself comparing more. I'm struggling with comparison because I don't know how to how to measure myself sometimes, mm. but in, in today's, um, just today's whole program, I felt um, like there's been a spotlight on each individual unique person here, mm-hmm. and I'm just really grateful for that celebration. And I'm grateful for the chance for us to amplify one another, yes. right? So it's, it's the lack yes. of competition, it's, there's not scarcity, there's enough for everyone, but we actually can multiply what we are able to do and if we do it each other together. To do that, yeah. you know, we're yeah. saying go, yeah. run, do it. You yeah, know? we can raise one another up and strengthen one another more when we are together in this. And so I think gatherings like this are so critical to build those relationships and those connections and that sense of love and care and cheerleading on one another um, because that's what's going to get us to the someday that we are looking for. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting because I think there was such a lack of representation in mainstream media um, and then YouTube came along and the Asians kind of co-opted YouTube and we just took it over. <laughs> because we must express and there was no place to express in network television at the time and so we just figured out a different way. But I love that we could be about a new way and, and I think linking arms together because when, when we know each other and we have each other's back, when the opportunities come up and doesn't work in my schedule, but I know five other people that could do the same thing that I'm doing. It's just, um, there's, a, there's a camaraderie that comes with that. And so I love that, you know, people are always like, I don't know any Asian speakers. I'm like, uh, hello, 16 of them, right here, right now. There's just no more excuses. There's just plenty to go around, and there's a lot. So you were going to say something, Diane? Yeah, just, I love this because this, uh, hopefully what I'm about to share reinforces and ties in everything that we have just shared in this round. Um, The last thing I mentioned was about Asian American superpower. I really feel like this conference coming together is so meta of Asian American superpower. We talked about how a lack of competition and we're all so motivated to build other people up. Mm -hmm. So um, 
you know, not to pat ourselves on the back, but yeah, we came on our own dime because we were so convicted mm -hmm. that we want to build up the next generation and we want to pay it forward. Yeah. And that is something that is intrinsically Asian, yes. right? Yes, it's a hierarchical culture and it's Confucius-based and all of that, but we have this ingrained sense of if you're an older one, you need to take care of the younger one, mm -hmm. right? In, in Korean culture, there's Hanbei Hubei and all of that stuff. So. Um, it can be a little stifling at times, but as a younger person, you know there's gonna be somebody coaching and mentoring you. Mm -hmm. And if you are an older person, then you know it is your obligation to pay it forward. So I think because of all that we have received, uh, we have an obligation to mentor and bless and give away as much and empower the next generation of voices. That's so great, so great. Okay, I'm gonna wrap us up. Um, so thank you, season one. Oh my goodness, we had a season one. <laughs> Thank you for being willing to jump in and share your stories and be a part of this event. And it, um, it's just such an honor to call you friends and sisters. So thank you, season one. Well, I hope you so enjoyed hearing from the season one guests and several of the, all of the season one guests were invited to come and be part of the Someday Is Here live event. Unfortunately, some of the, the, uh, the guests were already booked um, with different responsibilities, so they weren't able to make it, but everyone wanted to be here, which is so fun. And then, uh, the stage filled with season two guests and we are still we're actually taping for season three and we have some of the most exciting guests coming your way but stay tuned because um, the guests are just rolling out and there are so many fabulous impressive incredible Asian American women leaders so enjoy the second half talking with the Sunday is here live event season two guests Enjoy. Okay, I am joined on stage with season two guests for Someday Is Here. And I'm gonna ask you all actually similar questions. Um, we didn't get as much time to talk, you know, and prep amongst one another, but I'm just gonna have a, be a, just a fluid conversation. I would love to hear what has it been like for you being at this event today? And just introduce yourself as you answer the question. And since it's an Asian thing, just go second. <laughs> Uh, my name is Darina Lazo Gilmore, and I just have to say this day has been so amazing. I was reflecting on how most of the spaces I'm in, I'm the only Asian American, and somehow expected to represent all Asian Americans, which is the most ridiculous thing ever. Um, and so there is a sense of exhale in me that I have never felt in any other space. Mm. And about a year ago, I had a conversation um, with my husband, and actually, I didn't get to share this. I know, share this, this is so great. This is so, you did not know this, so, okay, go for it. <laughs> I do not believe that God has plan B. I believe that it is always plan A, and he just writes our next chapter. So my husband flew to heaven in 2014, and in 2016, God brought my husband, Sean, who I've been married to for four years now, and he actually was one of my late husband, Eric Lee's best friends. Mm -hmm. We had prayed for years, no exaggeration, for his future wife. Aww. And so I had 
I've been praying for myself. <laughs> and by God's just, I love his sense of humor. He's a Chinese American man. Mm-hmm. And so we added some Asian culture to our family in a different way. And so my blonde eight-year-old who has Asian eyes is often being carried by her daddy and people often say, she looks just like you to Sean. There's just something beautiful about that, right? So I was having this conversation with Sean about a year ago and I had gone to a conference that was for um, people of color for publishing and it was so refreshing. And I just said to him, I need to go to something like this at least once a year Mm. because something came alive in my soul Mm -hmm. that I have not experienced in other places. In fact, I often come home from conferences learning so much but completely exhausted. Mm. And I realized in myself that there was a lot of, sometimes we use that word microaggression, these little things that pick at me that I don't even realize. Mm. And so to be in a space like this where it is all Asian American women and the diversity in the room is just absolutely life-giving. That's awesome. Jump in. This is Tracy G. Um, I've been reading this book called The Hidden Life of Trees. And in it, it talks about how trees actually thrive and they're made to be able to do their best when they live in a forest. So a single solitary tree is more subject to disease and to the elements, but when it exists within a forest, the trees actually communicate to each other. They pass nutrients to each other. Um, So like weaker trees that are more vulnerable, they receive nutrients from the trees around them. Hmm. And I feel like being here today has just been that. It's been seeing like we're all part of this gorgeous Asian American women forest. And we're passing nutrients to each other. And just all the things that these women have offered in their stories and their presence, like so beautiful. Like I would have never had that all on my own. And I just feel really nourished. So I'm grateful for everyone that's presented, everyone that's here. It's really beautiful. Mm. I'm going to have you all answer it. So. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jenzine Lee. And, you know, being here today is... Um, has been interesting for me. I grew up in uh, Chinese churches my whole life. Um, my dad was a pastor, so you know, um, all eyes were always on me in, mm-hmm. in the church, and I resented that a lot growing up. Um, and you met my husband at another predominantly Asian church, um, and then we moved to South Carolina. And I met the Charleston girls, so shout out to you Yay, guys. Um, and, you know, being there, I was the only Asian, my family was the only Asian family at mm. that church. And it was a very beautiful season. We loved the church. I really got a taste of what, you know, the diversity of the kingdom is going to be like. And I super appreciated that. Um, but when we moved back to California, I was like, do I want to go back to an all-Asian church, you know, that a lot of our friends were at? Or do I want to find something that, you know, kind of represents the the diversity that we had experienced in South Carolina? And um, my husband decided, you know, let's go to this church that's predominantly Asian. And I was very bitter about it. Hmm. Um, You know, I was like, I don't want to go somewhere where everyone looks like me. I want something a little more diverse. And I think that was reflected earlier when it's like, you know, when we're younger, 
it wasn't cool to be Asian or, you know, to hang out. It was kind of cool to have, you know, the cool white friends or whatever, mm. you know? And so being here today, I feel a little like surprised in a way, like, I love this. This is amazing. I love being with all of you that look like me. And like was, what was said earlier, like, you don't have to explain yourself. Mm -hmm. um, you guys just get it. And I love it. It's really beautiful. That's so cool. So I'm Susie Gamez. And um, I said this in the beginning of our time open, when we opened this morning. Um, but uh, I had this funny experience last night when I, I was speaking at an event and an older Filipina lady came up to me and said, congratulations, after I spoke. And it seemed like such an odd thing to say, but I carried that over to this morning and I said to you all, congratulations for being here and congratulations for being Asian, being Asian American. <laughs> and I really feel like that sentiment has carried throughout the day because we're all here because we're Asian American women and we're celebrating that. Mm -hmm. So I, I just am celebrating that we're here and we're celebrating the fact that we are Asian American women. We're not... We're not approaching this like, okay, well, I'm, uh, God made me Asian, he made me Asian American, and he made me a woman, so let me figure out how to navigate through life mm. with those conditions. It, it's, we're here because we're celebrating the fact that we are Asian American women, made in the image of God, and congratulations. <laughs> That's so good. Um, and I'll, I'll just add that I've been so encouraged uh, to be here because I... When I look out at you, I don't just see a sea of brown. I see individuals. Um, we are each our own individual. And um, even though we share a lot as Asian Americans together, that God has made each one of us unique, you mm -hmm. know? And I've, I've grown up most of my life being misidentified as something else, as Turkish or Iranian or Persian or Latina. Um, but and, and even between me and other Indian Americans, we are so different. Like each of us are like every other Asian American. We're like some Asian Americans and we're like no other Asian American. Mm. And the, the beauty in that is that because each of us was made in the image of God, we need each other to see God more, a fuller picture of God. And so, um, even though we share so much, we each have so much to contribute and, and learn from each other. And so I've just enjoyed getting to know the other speakers more, getting to know you guys over the lunch and the sessions. Um, we need each other. This mm -hmm. is what solidarity looks like across cultural lines. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, let's, awesome. let's keep doing this. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> and I'm Michelle. And that was Michelle, yes. Dr. Michelle Reyes, and she's in season two, and I love our conversation there. Okay, go. Um, I'm Aaliyah. Um, I'm trying to think of what this, it's, I'm a slow processor, so in like three weeks, check out Twitter, because I'm going to tell you what this meant <laughs> to me. There's going to be all kinds of, of stuff coming, just wait. Can I just stop you for one moment? Aaliyah is one of the most gifted Twitter people. <laughs> And she has the GIF GIF, whatever team you're on, team GIF, team GIF, whatever. But she, her, her and Irene Choi are two of my favorite Twitter people because they just nail it every time. But anyway, go, please continue. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, for me, it was, I was sitting over there and I was watching Helen Lee and she had a slide of um, Kathy Kong's book and I remember starting writing in 2012 online. It was my first time writing in an online space and it was all white spaces that I was in. Mm -hmm. um, and 
that was a while in my, it was all white speakers. It was all, I mean, that was just everything. And I remember finding them and like, there are women doing this thing. And to sit here, I'm going to cry, um, and to see her, Kathy Kong has been mentor to me, mm-hmm. um, a sister to me. I have fangirled Helen Lee for days. I, I was like, chill, uh, chill on the inside, but I was like, ah. um, <laughs> because she was, she was making the way ahead of me, right? And yeah. I remember meeting with you down here before this happened, and I remember mm-hmm. sitting in Starbucks, and you said, I have this idea for this thing and you told me about the domino and you told me about the podcast and I said I will come on we are still working on that Um, season two season two (laughs) I'm going to be on it's going to happen Um, and I remember thinking just how beautiful it is to have those we talk about like uh, I think the first season was talking about the people in front and the people behind and being out there today I got to meet a bunch of you guys and you came up and were like excited about doing this thing and I remember when I found somebody that's that was resonating with me and that was doing this thing and how monumental it felt to see somebody doing that thing Mm. right we grew up and like who did we have as representation who did we have as role models you know we 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 didn't see them in the tvs they weren't the characters in the books they weren't the there was none of that and so to be in this room today and to see this next generation stepping into that identity mm. and to see the people that have gone before me mm. and made a way for me is just, I mean, I'm undone. It is, it's just so beautiful. It's such a beautiful picture of how God leads us together, how God leads us as a body, how mm. God leads us as a community, mm-hmm. um, and that we don't go alone. Mm-hmm. Like, we belong to each other, and I can really see that in this room. Um, there is a reality to, I remember talking about making space for other Asian American women and the idea of scarcity. And I remember wrestling with if I advocate for this person and this person and this person to, to come into this space that I currently occupy. Mm-hmm then the next time they need an Asian, right, or like the next time an opportunity comes up, is it gonna go to this other person and not me? Mm. And I had to wrestle with that in my mind. Is there enough space for all of us? Mm. And the model of the women that have gone before me, that have championed each other, like that heart is so beautiful mm. and, and God makes enough space. Yeah. And we're doing it. This yeah. is how we're doing it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So. That is beautiful. I do think that there is often in predominantly white spaces, um, diversity is kind of sexy right now. It's, like, it's kind of one of those words that everyone's like into. But diversity really happens when there are voices of color in leadership positions that make decisions that have everything to do with um, funding and um, who gets hired. All of those are so much more important than if you have a worship band that is every shade of different colors. Yeah. And, and- I think I saw somebody tweet something once. You know, there's this idea of, like, we don't want to just give crumbs from the table, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's giving somebody a seat at the table. And I remember tweeting. Um, it's a step further, right? It, sitting at the table isn't good enough. Like, if, unless we're involved in menu planning yeah. and we can get into that kitchen yeah. and add some spice, yep. it's still like sitting at white people's table, yeah. right? There has to be that... that 
mm-hmm. um, influence there to to make it a truly diverse, really good meal. Yeah, we've got spices that our our white counterparts really need to taste. Yep. <laughs> Amen, sister. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that going on. But I do think there is something to be said about um, having to to trust that there are more places and spaces, which I think is part of the future is that we do build our own tables and we are intentional as we enter into these places that are predominantly white, that we are equipped with language to be able to help really truly diversify. So, um, and to get compensated for consulting, you know, that, and, and that when we offer this part of our story, it's different than uh, it, because it's who we are, it's a, it's a gift. And it's something that we can choose to not give. And just because we're the only Asian on the block doesn't mean that we have to take on every single um, opportunity to speak on this, because it it's taxing. I think when we are the only one and we have to kind of hold it together, and as season one guests were talking about, we tend to kind of we have to think like, okay, I need to insert myself. I need to start talking white. I'm not going to, you know, I, I need to get my, my words in. And it feels very uncomfortable to join that conversation unless I'm very mindful. So I'm very on. Um, whereas I feel like here, we might as well have taken our shoes off at the door because <laughs> we're home. So uh, I do think that that's part of our stewarding. And so even as we equip uh, women in leadership, I think when we bring this part of who we are to the table, it is a gift that we offer, but it's not something that we're required to do. And I think that that's what I want the younger generation to know, because people can take advantage of that. And it's very painful to dig up the, heart, the harder parts of our stories and the parts where we felt like we were overlooked or misrepresented, et cetera, et cetera. So um, anyone else want to throw any thoughts? Um, I would love to hear... Um, if you could speak to this up-and-coming generation, what is your advice from where you stand now? I would just say um, I've been in the creative marketing social media space for the last, I don't even know, eight eight years, since whenever, you know, Instagram got really popular. Um, And, you know, everyone's on Instagram now, and you kind of feel like you have to be um, to be seen, um, you kind of have to, you know, have a very cool brand image or life, like your lifestyle is now your brand and everything, mm-hmm. you know, lots of people are into that. And I would just say, you know, it can be so easy to get sucked into that. And, you know, it's very easy to get into the comparison game. And there are lots of negative things to social media and how we connect in this day and age. Um, but I do wholeheartedly believe that we all still have influence wherever we are. Mm-hmm. And influence could mean, you know, you have thousands of followers or hundreds of followers, or it could mean, like myself, I have two um, children following me around all day <laughs> saying, mommy, 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 you know. Um, but they're seeing everything I do. Um, your classmates are seeing everything you do. Your coworkers are seeing everything you do. So I, I think it's very important for us in all the spaces we are, because we are so many things. We are Asian American women, we are believers, we are creatives, um, to remember that as we go into those spaces. Like, mm-hmm. someday is here, what are we gonna do with it? Uh, and I just wanna say, you do have influence, um, no matter what 
people say or don't say, whether they acknowledge you or don't acknowledge you, mm. um, you know, we see you yeah. and go, go forth. <laughs> That's a good word. Yeah. That's a good word. Uh, I'll share, this is Susie, um, I'll share a quick story about my own kids mm-hmm. and again why I'm so excited that this is happening today. Um, before I say that, I want to give a quick shout out to Chantel. She's not here anymore, uh, but we joked about how she, she's the producer of this podcast. She is. And she's a black woman. Yes. She uh, was joking earlier how, you know, she said, I wonder if people know that there's a black woman behind all of this Asian American woman <laughs> movement. Um, and she is so humble. She does not try to take any shine away. And she makes herself very inconspicuous. But I want to give credit to her and many of the black brothers and sisters who came before us who really paved the way in showing us how to take, take yes. up space and not apologize for that. Um, so I think of things like Black Girls Rock, you know, this movement where, where, where young black girls have a vision of why it's so awesome to be a black woman. And yeah. I, I so hope for that for my own children. Yes. Um, my girls are half Mexican, half Korean. They're Latasian, beautiful girls. Latasian, um, beautiful. But I can already see in my oldest daughter this sense of not wanting to be different. So we live in Long Beach, which is very diverse. We go to a very diverse church, but she doesn't have a lot of uh, Korean culture around her right now. Mm -hmm. And so she goes to a dual immersion school. So she's in a school where 90% of the day they speak in Spanish. So speaking Spanish has become very normalized to her. We were walking to the car one day after I picked her up from school and I said something to her in Korean and she she was shocked. She looked around and she started saying, Mom, you can't speak in that language here. And in that moment, my heart sank because I thought I was doing a really good job of of showcasing how awesome it is to be of mixed heritage. But she felt ashamed because she was different. And so I really hope that they, I mean, they're living in a different era where she doesn't even know how cool it is to be Korean right now. Like BTS was not a thing when I was younger. Selling out the Rose Bowl in minutes, you know, stuff, the Parasite, all this stuff. But it's not just in pop culture. I hope that they really get a vision of how amazing it is is to have such a myriad of cultural experiences within their own family and to really own that, that being the woman that God created them to be in their ethnicity is a beautiful, awesome thing. So um, people say things like, I hope that in the future we won't have to have diversity panels because it'll be so normalized. There's a part of me that, that wants to hang on to it because there's a place for that. Like I, I think that, that this continuing on. So next year, when you all are back here with 10 of your friends and this thing blows up to be thousands and thousands of people, um, I hope that this becomes a movement and we just, everyone celebrate how awesome it is to be Asian American women. Mm, that's a good word, that's a good word. Um, I, just, I just wanna add to that too, this is Michelle, that, um, that you guys are not alone. Um, and I'll, so I'll just put it out for myself. I wanna be your friend, but I, I know we wanna be your friend. and I. We, for me, and I think a lot of our stories is growing up, like everything that I have done, I've had to do alone. And it's, it, I, every door that I've walked through is because I've knocked and opened it myself, you know? And, and just all the challenges that have gone along the way, and it's like, I wanna talk to you. Mm. I, I'm sure that a lot of your journey is like ours, so message me, you know? Like, we can be in this together, we can encourage each other, and we can say, I got you, let's, let's do this together. Amen. That's so good. 
I'm going to take this in a little bit different direction, but just my encouragement to all of us in the room, but especially to the younger generation, is to make time for rest. I think it is really important for us as Asian American women, but as people of God, that we would embrace rest. And honestly, I don't think I grew up in a home that really knew how to do that because the achiever part and the perfectionism was so strong and so celebrated that it wasn't until I walked a really difficult grief journey with my kids that I realized rest is actually the place that we operate out of, that we cannot be ministers and pastors and writers and creatives unless we take that time for rest. Mm -hmm. And we all actually have to figure out what that means for us as individuals. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean that I can stand up here and say, well, if you take a 30-minute nap every day, then you're good. (laughs) But you know what? A 30-minute nap actually energizes me. (laughs) Maybe doesn't to the next person. Or for example, one of my therapies is that I love to run. I love to go outside and run and see God's creation. And that just fills me up. And if I'm stressed out, I like get it all out. Mm -hmm when I'm running. Well, that might not be the next person's mode for rest. Some people are like, well, yes. running is not resting, Darina. Yeah, well, have you seen that? That a, is correct. A, a, there is a tank top that I have that says, if you, I don't run, and if you ever see me run, you should probably run too, because that means something's chasing me. Yeah. All right, right. So I'm not here to just advocate for you all to be runners, but what I am advocating is for you to figure out that thing that helps you to rest. And there's so many different ways that we need to rest. We need to rest culturally, like we've talked about, having these safe spaces. Mm -hmm. We need to rest physically. We need to rest emotionally. We need to actually say, okay, resting is not scrolling on Instagram, even mm-hmm. though Instagram is my happy place, resting actually it's might not mean... Netflix binges. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it's like actually taking a break from that one day a week and just enjoying being time, having time with my family mm-hmm. or um, reading a long form book, mm-hmm. you know, instead of a post. So I just want to encourage you in that. I, I know people talk you know, negatively a lot about social media. And that's not my intent. My intent is to say, sometimes we need to actually shift what we do on a normal day in order to rest our bodies so that we can do what we need the rest of the week. It's a really great word. I think my advice, I'm not really an advice person, but um, I would think that what I would like to say is that your tenderness is not a liability. To be a tender-hearted person in this world that is literally hell-bent on hardening us up Mm. and making us cynical and making us jaded and making us defensive and making us angsty and ragey and um, that it really incapacitates a person when we dwell in those spaces. Mm. So to stay tender to each other, but also to stay tender to God Mm -hmm. and what he's doing in our lives and and to be okay with weakness, to be okay to be in that place of need. Um, When we come to a space like this, you know, everybody is, I mean, we've got our makeup and our eyelashes and our, we do our whole thing, right? But but underneath all of the together, I found that like when we get together in a group of women and we really start talking, it's only like five minutes before somebody's bawling and exhausted. And like, when you really go there, like we're all holding it together, right? So to stay tender to that, to be a Mm -hmm. space where your sister can come and say, 
this is what's really happening in my life or to be that person that goes first and gives permission. I don't know how many times I'm like, this is the truth about what's happening. And then all of a sudden everybody's like, Mm -hmm. oh, we can breathe and relax. And we don't have to pretend. Um, Your tenderness is a gift. Mm. And so don't harden up, stay soft, stay tender to God because it takes that tender heart to, to do this work. It takes that tender heart to see each other and to be receptive to what God is asking you to do. Y'all are equipped. God has has created you with everything that you need. It's our job to bear witness. Mm, and we, we do that by, by staying tender to what the Lord is already doing. That's good, that's good. This is Tracy. Um, I think my hope or my encouragement to you as a younger generation is that I really want you to lead us too. Mm. Like, I think there's something really beautiful. We've talked a lot about representation, and I think something is shifting. You know, when if someone asked me in my 20s, like, do you think that, like, as an Asian American woman, like, your story and who you are is going to get to be centered and featured and celebrated? I'd be like, no. I just need to settle for, like, figuring out where I can fit in with this thing. Mm. But you guys are a part of something different where you get to, like, the other day I was watching Kim's Convenience with my 13 year old. And I'm like, I love this. I love that he gets to see see me Lou, but like faces that look, you know, a little more like us. And you guys have the benefit of that. You know, obviously we're not all the way there, but I'm excited to see what comes out of your leadership Mm -hmm. because you have a different perspective Mm -hmm. and you're growing up in a different time. And I want you to lead us. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's this thing in um, Asian families, you know, I remember like going to visit my grandma when she was living in Shanghai and I brought my son who was 18 months at the time. And you know we're all sitting down to eat, of course. And um, like they seated me at the kids' table. <laughs> like, my table was like my grandma and my uncles, my parents. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm at the kids' table. I have a kid, and I'm still at the kids' table. You know, like what is this? It was just like this funny moment. But I just want to say, like, we don't want you to. to to hold that forever. Mm. We want to be led by you. We want to see the gifts that you yeah. bring because it's really awesome. Like even today, like Christine sang that song over and it like broke my heart in, like in the best way. And I just mm. feel like I want to see more of that from you all. Oh, that's so good. Oh gosh. Okay. So we're going to close it up here, but thank you so much season two for being here and sharing your heart and your life. So somebody's here. Oh. Thank you for joining us this week on Some Days Here. If you've liked what you've heard, please take a moment and subscribe to the show so that each new episode automatically downloads to your device every week. And thank you for sharing this podcast with your friends. We would love for you to rate and review the show so that others can find out about us. A special thank you to the brilliant team that makes Some Days Here possible. The Someday is Here logo is designed by Jocelyn Chung. The original music is by Joseph Patrick with Passion Net Productions. Show notes on the website are by Vicki Pham. The sound engineer is Aaron Kretzman. The director of design and website designer is Kenny Wong. And the executive producer is Chantelle Reynolds. Have a great week. And we look forward to you joining us again for another episode of Someday is here.